I hope those songs, you find those songs a blessing. Um, they certainly are a blessing to myself. Uh, you know, I tell my wife, I don't, I, <laughs> I, I say, I hope that, you know, when I get older, like as a, as a senior, I hope that I don't become one of the guys, one of those, uh, you know, those older brothers and sisters, like the elders that like only stick to their songs and like, you know, use that sort of language back in my day, you know, <laughs> our songs were, you know, and, and then kind of put down, um, even the good songs of today. Um, the reason why I say that because I, I'm, I'm really only limited to, um, my playlist and I don't really play too many songs, but the songs that I do love, I just play over and over. Um, and, uh, but they're to myself, I, I think they're very potent songs, very meaningful songs. Um, for example, you rain. Uh, it's, it's, you know, what I love about those lyrics is it's not this sentimental, uh, sort of romance song with Jesus, you know, uh, and if there is a criticism that I have of today's music, it's not all of it, but I would say that there is a lot of that coming on the scene, this sort of romance Jesus, um, and, and language that I think should really only be restricted to a marriage is the sort of language we're attributing to our relationship with God. And it just doesn't fit. Um, although the, the scriptures describe our relationship with the Lord as a marriage, we have to understand that, that that's, a, that's an analogy. Well, there, there's a reality to it, but uh, there's going to be a lot of dissimilarities between a human marriage and our marriage between God. Does that make sense? So we can't attribute every single thing that is um, relevant to a human marriage to our marriage with God. Does that make sense? Um, and we have to be very careful of that. Um, we have to be careful because um, I think that the worship songs that do speak of stuff like that and often emphasize things like that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak about the love of God, but we shouldn't speak about it in a in a romance way. That's not that that's actually a different type of love found in the Greek. Um there's four different Greek words for love, and the Greek word that's attributed God's love for us is agape. And so it's not this sentimental or romantic or erotic love. Do you see? Um, so with that said, uh, but what I'm saying is that if in any case we value music like that or we make music like that, it's it's just reflective of the fact that we, we, we have a poor theology. We have a poor view of God. We have a poor view of our relationship with God. And... We need to grow. We need to grow beyond that. Does that make sense? Um, amen, somebody? Or is it? Okay. Um,
Now, we, we, now regardless, though, is it's true anyways. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean that to be, I don't say that to be arrogant, but um, it, see, these things do matter because it, someone could die a death by a thousand cuts. And if you're um, immature in a thousand areas, how do you, you're going to die. You get what I'm saying? Uh, why? Because I- immaturity, it, it leads to destruction. And immaturity leads to foolishness and stupidity. I, I recently seen this brother on YouTube who dressed up in a Spider-Man outfit to go evangelize. I'm like, dude, that's stupid. Um, and and people that haven't grown, they will they will look at myself and say, you're being critical. I mean, you can call it what you want, but in, in reality, that's not what I see the apostles doing. I don't see... Jesus doing that I don't see and and, and if that wasn't enough uh, that whole form of evangelism involved pastoring people and people just kind of felt like the brother was a nuisance uh, a pesty fly that's not evangelism Um, that's annoying people in the name of God right Um, so Maybe his intentions were good, but good intentions don't solve anything. Have you guys realized that so far in life? Good intentions don't, uh, you know, I've, I've heard pe- the, the, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. And let me say this one quick thing, and then I'll, I'm going to read a couple of passages and we'll get to prayer. <clears throat> Do you know that there were, there were studies, uh, if you, you can read this in like, I can't point you to the actual source because I was listening to Jordan Peterson on this, so I'm I'm really only getting the second hand. But he he claimed that there were first, you know, primary sources, philosophical and psychological material on the fact that um, those who were not brought up in the Nazi, Nazi regime, but but used to be ordinary police officers, it's like so they, they didn't they weren't subject to the Nazi regime from a young age being indoctrinated with with that doctrine so why that's important is because well if you grew up as a little child being indoctrinated you don't really have a chance to to see beyond it um but but they were taking ordinary grown officers who did not grow up under it and who ended up becoming a part of that regime and he talked about how people like that became who suspected that they were doing a good thing and you might think from our perspective, how is that possibly the case? And you're right. The reason why is because people build, people end up searing their conscience by a million micro justifications and rationalizations. So they'll, they'll go a centimeter forward and say, well, you know, you know, I got to do this. I got to feed my family. So, you know, maybe if I just do this, maybe I'll do it this way and it won't be so bad. And then, so you make a million micro justifications that eventually lead you to that uh, that horrible place of of searing your conscience, and and now you call evil good and good evil. Does that make sense? So that sort of searing your conscience, 
and becoming wicked doesn't happen overnight. And 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 they eventually think that I'm doing a good thing. But they felt like they were doing a good thing because they were bound by duty. That they were merely being dutiful. Um, <clears throat> so, that's very... Does that make sense? So, we have to be very careful about that too. Because Christians can also commit... They can die by a thousand cuts. And then those thousand cuts are those thousand micro justifications... Uh, for why you're not praying, why you're not doing this, why you're not doing that, this, that, or the other that God has told you to do or told you not to do. And then it eventually leads to your a lukewarmness. Amen? It leads to spiritual decline. It leads to <coughs> apathy. It leads to rebellion. It leads to, you know, you fill in the blank. Does that make sense? Or am I speaking Japanese? Um, <laughs> one of you polyglots will say, but I know Japanese. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, well, the, the analogy goes out the window. Am I speaking alien? <laughs> um, I don't know, because Andrea might know Japanese a little bit. I'm not sure. Or one of y'all. Um, or you, you, I thought one of you guys knew Japanese a little bit, or self-taught in some way. But anyways, um, let me let me uh, read this passage here. Um, okay, some passage. Cool. So. Um, Let's let's turn very quickly to uh, Matthew chapter seven. Excuse me, Matthew chapter six. <clears throat> Welcome, brother Jarvis. Great to have you. Some of you might wonder why <coughs> why I take the time to read scripture and and offer some teaching on it during prayer. If, if the part of prayer is prayer, right, not word. Um, well, certainly this is the primary uh, goal of our gathering today is prayer. But prayer is not directionless. And I, I attempt to uh, uh, delve into the topic of prayer. Um, why? Um, from God's word. Because Jesus made this clear. He said in John, he says, If my word abides in you, and you in me, ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So we see that the prerequisite to answer prayer is that God's word would have its habitation within our hearts. Such that, um, and because I'm a bookworm too, yeah, that might be partially true. Um, but, so that is to suggest that if we don't have God's word within us, then that might make our praying ineffective. Um, because the whole part of our praying, really, is simply like speaking to God 
his own will and his own desires back to him. This we see is the 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 uh, climax to sacrifice, right? Jesus, what did he say in the Garden of Gethsemane? If it be possible, Father, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Do you see that? Amen, somebody? So, you know what that means? That means that you have to die to rebellion. You have to die to uh, pride. You're going to have to die to lust. You're going to have to die to greed. You're going to have to die to your deceptive ways. You have to die to manipulation. So, if God says, hey, leave that woman. I know you find her attractive. Or leave that man. I know that you find him attractive and you think he's good for you, but you got to leave. So you know what you do at that moment? You say, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Amen. Right? And Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6, or verse, I think it's 5, verse 6 or 7. Uh, it says, Jesus in the days of his flesh offered up strong crying a fervent cries with tears from him who was able to save him from death and he was heard in that he was reverent or he submitted reverently so he submitted to the will of the father right he submitted to the will of the father and thereby did not taste death in the sense in the sense, permanent death I don't want to go all into the theological implications of that but nevertheless he was raised from the dead right death couldn't hold him right now but going back to this this idea though of getting the word of god within us john makes it clear well jesus tells john and john writes it to us in the 15th chapter that if God's word, if my word, if Jesus' word abides in us and we in him, we can ask what we will and it will be done for us. Come on, somebody. See, the problem is that you want to take God's word out of context and then try to make it apply to your situation. It don't work that way. Does that make sense? Amen. Look, look, I, one, of, one of the unfortunate things we, we have to correct in the body of Christ, or I have to correct often, time and time again, because largely in the, in the body of Christ, I don't say this to be insulting, but merely as an observation, we don't understand how to read the Bible. We treat it like a magic book. We treat it like an abracadabra uh, uh, book, this... Um, magic recipe book you know get a little dash of this and you can just put whatever you want however you want and then ta-da you know uh and it don't work that way now what i mean by that is this let's say let's say i tell my son let's say i go to a, a bookstore and i tell my son son get whatever you want right Now, let's say later on we go to 
a store and there there there's a it's a candy store and then he's and he starts picking out candy and and then he he's going to the register uh and he's like dad come and he's and he's 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 uh expecting i buy it i said i'm not gonna buy that but he says but you said i can get whatever i want i said but my response would be yeah i said that in the context of a bookstore not a candy store and so does that make sense so what a lot of Christians love doing is they take a verse out of context and try to apply it in a totally different situation. Does that make sense? It's the same thing that they do with Jesus's words in Matthew 24 when he says that this generation shall not pass away until all these things take place. He wasn't talking to me. He wasn't talking to you. Don't take God's promises that he said in an entirely different context in the first century to specific people and make it apply to us. It don't work that way. Context, audience, all of that stuff is relevant and necessary to rightfully interpret the promises to which are applied to us. So when we come to the Word of God in relationship to prayer, right, we have to understand what is said to us, right, and how exactly it applies. You know, I seen this I seen this uh, uh, youngster uh, uh, go live on Instagram and he's working out. I hate this stuff. I hate how people keep working out or, or you got these uh, females also thirsty for attention dressed virtually half naked, but they'll slap a, a Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or, you know, you get those guys that know they're, they got a muscular physique and then they, they slap a verse to it. And uh, they're like, in Jesus' name, yeah, and they start bumping heads, and that's foolishness. I can do all things. You're immature. You need to grow up. You may need to get saved. <laughs> that's what I want to say. You may need to get saved, brother. But not, no, not literally, but you need to grow up. You need to mature. You need to stop hijacking God's word for your self gain for yourself why do you see Paul doing that you think Paul you know lifted up his garments and you know lifted up the girt his loins <laughs> his girdle and said I can do all things and then he has the hoorah mentality as if he's getting out of a football locker room. <laughs> you think he's doing that? No, quiet down and shut up. Don't don't chill. And grow up. Come on, somebody. I know people don't like this stuff, but hey, man. The 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 scroll that we eat can be bitter. And we can't endure a bitter scroll, then you can't taste anything in your life that's sweet as honey. I, I don't like that stuff. Because you're taking the you're taking the name of the Lord in vain, and you're taking his word in vain. You don't call upon a king and summon him if you don't need him for any reason. Do we understand that? Do I do if if I had Trump's number, 
I'm not going to call him and just, hi. You, you get what I'm saying? Why'd you call me? Because. Is there a reason? So when we're invoking the name of the Lord, we don't invoke his name for no reason. That's what it means to take it in vain. It means idleness. It's idle usage of a holy name. Come on, somebody. People think I have to say, I have to use a curse word in front of God's name. I don't necessarily have to do that. I can just, I can just use it nonchalantly without reverence. That's idleness. It's no purpose. It's vain. It's, what's the use? Does it make sense? <coughs> All right, uh, let me hurry up here. Um, so let's let's quickly look at. <laughs> Lord help me. Uh, Matthew six. I want to encourage you guys today. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter six verse five. This is a famous passage of scripture. And then w- once I expound on this, we'll we'll get to the uh, uh, prayer. Look at what he says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in and pray in the synagogues at the at the street corners, or th- they love to go on YouTube and, and show everybody they're feeding the homeless. Right? It, it applies. <laughs> It applies today. A lot of people still doing it. Here, I just want it. And then it gives it. It's like, well, hold on, hold on. Let me retake it, retake it. Those are the those are the things that we're not seeing, right? Let me get you looking a little more disheveled and and somber. And let, let's uh, let's you know, I can imagine that. Got little you know makeup and let them let let's make them look more dirty. It's it's unfortunate because we're exploiting people's um, we're exploiting people's hard times, right? We're exp- we're also exploiting the demonized, and then we would love to get that on camera with the best like setup, and then and then like uh you hear them confessing how they were raped and stuff like come on man why do we do that why do we see for all the youtube to see now and you put it on tiktok too and you know there's like a million views seeing this person in the vulnerable time and and the whole world knows their tragedy i don't like that but nevertheless <coughs> um says when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Uh, first of all, Jesus, see, you have to be careful with Scripture because an ignorant novice will read this and say, I can't pray before others. If that was the case in corporate prayer, what they were doing in Acts when they were praying corporately, they were being disobedient to Jesus' teaching. <coughs> Does that make sense? No. This is this is what it says. He he doesn't say for they love to stand in the and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Um, it, 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 and it's well, let me let me read this one more time. It says that they may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, when you have, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So um, he's saying, in other words, he, when he, he says, he doesn't say, pray and don't be seen. He says, pray not with the intent in order to be seen. Do you see the difference? So that means this. If I'm praying and you see me, you look my way and then I got to run. Why? He can't see me. He can't see me when I'm praying. <laughs> That's not what it's saying. It's saying when you do pray, don't do it to be seen. There's in other okay, if if it completely prohibited being seen by others when praying, that means then that you can't even pray for others. Because in order to pray for another, that other person has to see you. Does that make sense? Then I, I nobody can pray for anybody then in person. Amen. <clears throat> it says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So, <clears throat> what is Jesus' next uh, teaching here? Command. And when you do pray, so, well, hold on, let me, let me go to the secret place real quick. Verse 6, and when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who sees who, who is in secret. If God has called us, especially as an intercessor, and, and intercessors, they 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 don't the vast majority of their ministry is not being seen but there's always times that God will have that person to be seen and and their being seen involves leading others in prayer does that make sense and so now why that's important is because a lot of people want to lay claim to the title intercessor but they're not a one indeed because they just love to be seen by others. So when there's there's a corporate thing, they'll be eager to pray because they love being heard by men. They love to speak to men about God, but don't love to speak to God about men. So the strength of an intercessor who leads others in prayer in public is no greater than the stature and rank he has acquired in private. Does that make sense? Um, I hate to tell you, but not everybody's prayer accomplishes the same thing. And the reason why I say that isn't because God somehow uh, uh, is is prejudiced or 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 partial. But the reason for it is because of the determination and the potency and the power one particular individual has acquired by their constant repetition in the private place that another person may not have accomplished. So, for example, Daniel, when he was praying, it, it had taken an angel 21 days to get to Daniel, but Daniel was continually praying and fasting. 
So it shows that, and it says in Daniel, the moment that you set your face toward God, you were heard. But see, here's the thing. Although God hears us from the, from the start, we can nullify and make ineffective our praying if we don't continue therein. If we don't continue to persist from day one all the way to the, 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 uh, the time the, the prayer is actually uh, uh, answered and manifested into your life. Does that make sense? And so why one person's praying accomplishes something the next person doesn't is because this, this person over here stops when they shouldn't have and this person over here continues when they should have. Do you see the difference? Amen. <clears throat> so, but but notice the but the point I'm making is that our public praying is no greater than our private praying. So we have to get used to the fact that God has condemned us all to privacy to private prayer and intimacy before God. Does that make sense? I really don't like the, the notion that we have today of intimacy, of sentimental music being played and, and then offering paintings to God. I just don't, I don't see how that's intimacy. Intimacy is, is sacrifice. See, let me let me break down something to you. It's not me painting something for God. And if someone wants to paint something for God, go ahead. But the point is this. We get so focused on all these little uh, trinkets that we're losing sight of the, the, the core thing that God desires. For example, when a, a wife and husband are intimate, what comes to your mind? They're having sex. Now... Okay, what what makes it what makes it intimacy? The husband is offering his body to her and she is offering his her body to him. I'm giving, I'm sacrificing my body. I'm yielding my body to you. Does that make sense? So when we speak of intimacy, stop with the sloppy sentimental stuff. That's not what it is. It's, I give everything to God. I give all that I am to Him. That's what sacrifice and worship is. When the, the law of first mention, when Abraham said to Sarah, me and the boy will be back, we are going to worship. What did he mean? He meant sacrifice. Yes, and, and David too. What did David do? He poured out the water. You know why? Because David understood that the blood belonged unto the Lord. And the man who, who, who uh, 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 retrieved that water for David in Bethlehem could have got killed. And he knew that it would have been at the cost of the, that, his loyal man's blood. So he poured it out as a sacrifice unto God. I can't drink this water. 
Amen. What, what did Paul say? He says, I'm pouring out my life as a drink offering to God. Do, do, do you read that? Have you read that in the New Testament? <clears throat> Amen. So, okay. <clears throat> Rest of you all following? Are you guys learning something? Or are you are you falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane? You know, we, we need we need so many props today, just to get us to do what God told us to do. You know, we have twenty one days. We have twenty one ways to make prayer easy. Or easier. Have you noticed Jesus didn't give a, a, a seminar on that stuff? He didn't say 10 laws on uh, on making prayer easier for you. You know, set the lighting at the right thing. You know, you know dim the lights. He didn't say all that stuff. He didn't, he didn't tell us that. He didn't say use uh, aromatherapy candles. He said pray. Your flesh is weak, but your spirit's willing. You know, William Bo- William Booth used to shout at his men, "Pray!" <laughs> we might criticize the way that they discipled others, but they raised up soldiers. They took in territories for God. Um, but nevertheless, <coughs> look at what he says. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Um, what, one last comment on the secrecy. Value secrecy. Value secrecy before God. You know, you know why? Because God, he refines the need to be heard and to be seen by others. You know, see, when, when you've mastered the secret place, you'll be able to bite your tongue before others. When you feel like some, you want to prove yourself, or or you want to, you know, you want to take matters into your own hands. You don't consult with public affairs. You consult with the the only true pontentate, the only wise king, in the secret council. So, um, but it, let, let's just quickly look at uh, uh, First Kings. I, I want to show us. What those empty phrases look like. Um, (coughs) First Kings chapter 18 verse 26. Or uh, chapter 18 verse 25. It says, Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. For you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. <coughs> and it says, And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked him, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. (laughs) 
So, um, I think if Elijah the prophet mocked Baal and his prophets, I don't think we're sinning when we mock LGBT, we mock these other agendas. Just a thing to consider. Um, <clears throat> right? Either he is musing or he's relieving himself. So in other words, he's probably taking a dump. It, don't you can see Elijah's character? See what what the, what is speaking right here is the zeal of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's not immaturity on on Elijah's part. It's the zeal of the Lord, and, and the reason why we know where he, he was zealous. He even said later, he says, Oh Lord, I've been very zealous for you. Elijah was a zealous man. <clears throat> but look at, it says, And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And at midday past they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. So, when we speak of the empty phrases, do you see the fruit? You see, you see the, the fruit of that here in the prophets of Baal. It eventually led to self-harm. And they thought that they were heard for their many doings. Do you see that? So... Jesus says, don't be like them. They, they, they offer up incantations and empty phrases and they think they're heard for their many words. Does that make sense? So when we pray, it's not that our many words uh, 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 captures God's attention. But here's what I would say. <clears throat> I've said this time and time again. You're not heard for your many words. Right? Uh, uh, but you are heard therefore offer up many words do you see the difference <clears throat> a man who who is convicted by the reality that they are heard by almighty god and and does not give everything to their seeking after god right is a man that's lying if if you had access to a king who could give you virtually anything and you never speak to that king, you're a liar. You don't know him. Because what human being would not avail the opportunity to go to a king who give, who can give them anything? Does that make sense? So if I say that I'm convicted by the truth, that, that God hears me, then demonstrate that. Like James says, show me your faith without your works. You can't do it. Amen? So, <clears throat> Amen. so in other words, you know, it's not through cutting ourselves, it's not through flogging ourselves, it's not through lashing ourselves that, that somehow in, it, it captures God's attention. That's not how this works. God has our attention. If, if, by the way, we're praying the correct thing. Because the Bible says that 
He who turns his ear away from the law, even his prayer becomes an abomination. So if you're not turning your ear away from the law, God's not going to turn his ear away from you. Amen. So, so why am I encouraging you with this? Because some some of you have to grow, and and, and you can't be immature. You might, say, you might say I'm not immature. You are immature if you keep doubting that God hears you. I'm not trying to insult you, but you're still immature. Oh, I wonder if God hears me. No, the word of the Lord says what it says. It means what it says. It says what it means. Jesus wasn't playing mental games with you. Does it make sense? <clears throat> but I don't see it yet. So? <laughs> what does God's word say? Are you walking by sight or are you walking by faith? Amen. You might say, I don't like this stuff. Well, this stuff don't like you either. No, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Um, but 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 you have to get over. It. See, we don't we don't we don't read the. There, there's passages if you're honest that you dislike in the Bible. And either you 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 get through it or you try to go over it. And each time you try to go over it. God's going to test you on those very areas of knowledge that you refuse to accept. Amen. Don't 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 skip past math basic mathematics cuz you're going to need it for algebra. And you're going to wonder why you keep failing the test for algebra because you you try to maneuver out of the way when it came to ba basic mathematics cuz you don't like it. Amen. <clears throat> so, when it comes to prayer, <clears throat> don't be insulted, don't be offended if I tell you you're you're still immature if you if you don't believe God is hearing you. Let me let me share this very encouraging uh testimony. Uh, the unfortunate reality today is that when when someone speaks with confidence, the the not confidence in self this isn't self-confidence i've never taught self-confidence that's a damning gospel that's the Stephen Furtick gospel that's the joel Osteen gospel that's that's all these modern influencers gospel trust in yourself forgive yourself there ain't nowhere in the bible says forgive yourself you know that you can't forgive yourself you don't believe me show me one verse jesus said that you know what? I'll give you. I'll give you the whole sixty-six books. Just give me one, please. Give me one verse that says that. You're not gonna find it. So if you're not finding it in the Bible, is this? Is it Bible that you're sharing? Is it the teachings of Jesus? If it ain't the teachings of Jesus, whose teaching is it? Oh, some other guy, pastor so and so, right? Don't get offended. There ain't nowhere in the Bible says uh, 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 forgive yourself. You know what that is? It's hurt pride because you disappointed your own standard. So you know the solution? Die to pride.
Amen. I don't have authority to just make stuff up. If I had authority to make stuff up, I'll pluck stuff from the sky and then just start. I'll, I'll do the abracadabra. Ta-da! I'll do that. But it's a delusion. Brothers and sisters, it's a delusion. And if you want to believe a delusion, then more power to you. But I'm, I, I have no authority to preach delusion. Like Leonard Ravenhill says, he says, this generation has itching ears, but I have no commission from God to scratch them. Amen. So, um, you know what? I'll I'll drop that. But the unfortunate reality today is that when someone speaks with confidence in God, those who don't have it, you know, naturally they're going to feel insecure. But if you get your security from God and your identity from Him, you won't feel that. Does that make sense? Let me say this. It's okay to feel small. You should feel small. It... You should feel small in some if you're not mature in comparison to one who is. But you know what? That should encourage you to come up, not stay down. Amen. You know, my 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 cousin, he's the most prayerful person I say I don't say that to his horn, but um I'll praise anybody I know. And I'll fast anybody I know. Uh, but I don't allow it to discourage me. I allow it to help me to come up even further. Why am I not going to take advantage of that opportunity to come up in God? You know, Leonard Ravenhill says, he says, when we compare ourselves to the fading embers and the low, the uh, uh, dimming fires on the altars of, of our lukewarm brethren, he says, we feel good about ourselves. The problem is, is when someone's uh, 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 fire on their altar is blazing hot, it don't sh- it shouldn't discourage you. You should say, "Oh man, look at how much fire they've acquired. I need a fan into flame, my flame." Does that make sense? the the church The church is so subnormal that when you tell it to become normal, it thinks you're abnormal. That's that's why I said on my post recently that the the children should be praying. Why 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 do why do we want to stuff their face with donuts and have a game night? And that, that we call that ministry. That ain't ministry. Oh well, they're still young. You know, I've seen kids nine years old, eight years old, praying in tongues, worshiping God. At youth retreats and stuff like that. So how are you going to tell me that they can't be baptized in the Holy Ghost and outpray some of the other pe- of the, the the elderly people? Then it, then God say in uh, in Joel two and, and it fulfilled in Acts two that in the last days that God will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. 
Are they flesh? I guess we don't read our Bibles because John the Baptist was, was filled with the Holy Ghost when he was in his mother's womb. Amen. And you're saying they're too young because they're 13? And so you need to stuff their face with donuts and, and, and occupy, you know, have give them ministry and it's just video games? What are we raising up, sissies or are we raising up soldiers? You know, the, the, the Islamics, the radical Islamics, they're already preparing their children to die. You know, I see some of the people that I have on Facebook, they're throwing up gang signs, you know, you know, they're waving their gun and they're they're teaching their kids to wave up gang signs. And they're indoctrinating them, hate, hate this guy, hate the bloods, hate them. I see it, it's sad. But they're indoctrinating their kids, but we can't teach our kids to pray. Come on, somebody. You know, yesterday it blessed my heart because when we left, my, my son and my wife, and we came home, you know, my, my, my boy loves home. And you know, the first thing he said, he said, thank you, Jesus. From the mouth of babes have you ordained praise. Amen. Come on, somebody. Do we believe the Bible or do we believe modern culture? I teach him to pray. He prays. You know, he's a babe. He's not going to, you know, of course you're not going to expect from a five-year-old <coughs> what you're going to expect from myself. But they're being taught. If the parents in the house of God did the, their jobs right, then they wouldn't be. it wouldn't be like pulling teeth when it comes to them uh, uh, going to the dang youth meetings and all this other stuff. And if there was actually anointed men over that and not just uh, uh, teenagers with cool haircuts, then we'll actually raise up soldiers. Oh, you know, let's put him as a youth pastor because look at how much reach he got on TikTok. And, he, and look at his haircut. And he says things are sus. Or, or, or how do they use the term? That's sus. He got drip. So, the, so are we? Are we making? Are we making decisions based off attire, and slang, or the anointing? Amen. You gotta think about those things, man. Amen. So, what I'm I'm just dismantling these these terrible ideas. But here, let me share this testimony. <clears throat> um so about like a week ago I was praying to the Lord and I was praying I was very specific about something I was very specific about what I needed and I told him exactly what I needed right now 2 days later um well, no, a day later, I get a dream. And in the dream is this brother. And, and, and I'm helping him package something. And he was discouraged in the dream. And, and uh, long story short, I ended up calling him up. I say, hey, bro, I, got a dream. I had a dream of you. And uh, that you were discouraged. Turns out he was discouraged that day. 
and uh, I said, I said I had a dream about you, and I believe the interpretation is that you need to send something out that you intended on sending, like a a, a material or a, a, a you're packaging something uh, in some way to give to somebody. He says, "Whoa." He said, "Bro." He said, "Uh, I just uh uh." I just uh, got this day. He says, I was discouraged because I was at work today. And uh, I didn't make any money. And and uh, he says, I got to pay rent. <clears throat> he says, but I made a video. And he has kind of a large following on YouTube. And uh, well, anyways, he said, uh, I made a video on YouTube and someone donated to my ministry $5,000. And well, anyways, now mind you, days prior, I asked God for $500. And and I'm transparent about this stuff because I, 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 my life is an open book. So, you know. But anyways, God told me that he was going to send someone to give me $500. So when I had that dream and I called up that brother, he said, God told me to give you $500. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, this I didn't ask him. I didn't sow seeds in his head like, hey, man, you want to give me a... Nah, I, I, I trust God. I pray to God. I understand that things come through men, but all things come from him. Amen. But I prayed that specific, specific amount. No dollar higher, no dollar less. And God gave me that exact amount and confirmed it by a dream. And, and he already had a witness. He was telling someone else that that he was going to do that, and he did. Praise the Lord. Um, and that that prayer that I prayed was also a confirmation and a sign for something else that I was seeking God about. I said, God, if you want me to, you know, eventually go into full time doing what I do, then confirm it by this. And so he did. Now, <clears throat> when I tell you, trust God, I'm not speaking out of my neck. I'm not speaking without experience. Even without experienced, I believed this. And my believing this is what gave me the experiences. Do you see that? Amen. Let, let's read one other verse. I, I hope this is okay. Um, I know that a lot of us expect to, you know, receive in prayer, and, and, and I do. I intend on doing that, but I believe that God wants to teach us something through this. <clears throat> Again, I'm, I'm hoping to impart words to you. But r- real quickly, verse 8 says, Do not be like them, but like who? The pagans. Let me cut myself. Let me chant and... Ah. <laughs> Let me get God's attention. No, what does he say? He says, do not be like them. Don't be like the 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 the, uh, the prophets of Baal. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So he knows what you need to before you ask him. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that consoling? That God already knows what you need before you ask him. So he's already, so you know, you know what that means? That he's already on your problems before you are. Amen. 
His eyes on the sparrow. He sees every minor detail of your life and he's concerned and he has regard. And as a loving father, he cares to meet that need. Do you believe that today? And it's not only financial, it's also relational. This this care that and regard that God has to meet your need is also applicable in other areas in your life. But you know what? It don't stop there because Jesus didn't say, he already knows what you need, don't ask him. He already knows what you need before you ask him, so hey, does it doesn't matter, don't ask him. He didn't say that. Verse 9, he follows it up by saying, pray then like this. So, do you see how he says, hey, your father knows what you need before you ask him? Therefore, pray like this. So, God knowing before you ask him is the whole basis for our motivation to ask. Amen. Do, do you see that? <clears throat> Look at the Mark 11, verse 24. This is the last verse, and we'll pray. Mark 11, verse uh, 24. <clears throat> well, actually, verse 20, just to give a little more context. Mark 11, verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away so it's, uh, away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. By the way, just FYI, people who say that curses is unbiblical, then you have to take that up with Jesus because Jesus cursed. Do you see that? Paul, Amen. He, he cursed the sorcerer and he went blind. People say, oh, that's not a curse. What was it? Was it a blessing? <laughs> <laughs> I bless you. Go blind. <laughs> I bless you. And he throws flowers and he goes blind. <laughs> but that's God for you. Amen. You're not going to do astral projection on my family and try to curse me and and I'm not going to pray for it to backfire on you. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um <clears throat> And Peter remembered and said to him, "Rabbi, look the fig tree that you curse has withered." And Jesus answered them, "Have faith in God." So, when we pray, have faith in Him. Don't have faith in yourself. I got to work harder. I got to get the right connections. No, not saying being practical, but don't begin with yourself for the basis of your faith. You know why? Because that will lead you to anxiety. You know, trust in self is the basis for all of anxiety. Amen. 
This is why Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, Be anxious for nothing. You know what nothing means in the Greek? Nothing. <laughs> now, but what did I mean by that? Does it, did I mean that it actually means nothing, or did I mean that it means nothing? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, it, it means nothing. And so... That means that you have no reason to be anxious for anything. There's no good reason for anything. I just, you know, my bills are due. Not a good reason to be anxious. But you don't understand. No, I do. (laughs) But, but But I also know God. Do you see that? that? That's the problem, is you want to understand. But you don't understand. Yeah, I understand that I walk by faith and not by sight. That's what I understand. My faith is in God. Not It's not in myself. You're placing your faith in yourself. You're placing your faith in Caesar. You're placing your faith in your employer. You're placing your faith in all these different things. People say, that's not doable to not do that. Oh, yeah, it is, because then how did Jesus live? Come on, somebody. Jesus had faith in the Father. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for them. Verse 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, whatever. Now it's qualified, well, we read in, uh, we didn't read it, but what I quoted in John 15, where it says, if, you're, if his word abides in you, ask whatever you wish. So the whatever is qualified by Whatever is the will of God and whatever is pleasing to God. Right? Whatever, it says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So you pray it, you believe that you have received it, or in some translation says you are you you are believing. You, you are believing that you are receiving it. And it will be yours. So, does that make sense, everybody? So, you're going to constantly hear me as a broken record until you grow in faith, you build up your faith to where you say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not even anxious anymore. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not plaguing my mind about what's going to happen. Because I'm not trusting myself. I'm not trusting my circumstances. I'm trusting the Lord. And there's a realm in God. When you hit that place of peace, that worry doesn't capture you. And when you feel it about to try to creep on, you don't just stay there and get hit by it. You go to the secret place where peace is available. Amen. You go to a realm that is transcendent above the natural. You have to realize that this world is victim to spirits. 
You want to know why LGBT denies basic logic? Because they're victim to spirits. They will deny the things their eyes see because of their entertaining of spirits. They're, they're listening to spirits. So you are able to deny what your eyes see. Yeah, I see that, Goliath. Yeah, I see that. But I'm listening to a spirit, and that spirit is God. Amen. Amen. So let us let us pray. 